What do frying pans, witches, and tiny blue people have in common? All this and more coming up on this special book club edition of Lasers and Lockets, the podcast that celebrates strong and complex female characters in science fiction and fantasy entertainment. This is episode 42. But first, you know the drill. Let's dance. Welcome back to the show, and thank you so much for making me a part of your podcast rotation. I'm Lee, your friendly neighborhood host. Tonight's episode won't have the standard news segment, as it's a special book club edition of the podcast. So let's just dive right into the topic. Here's how I'd like to go through this episode. I've prepared my review and thoughts of the book and the lead character, Tiffany Aching, and we'll go through that in this episode. At the end... I'll share my first book club questions that I'm eager to discuss with you. Then, on our Goodreads group, I'll post a thread with all the book club questions we'll discuss live together. I'm thinking I'll choose a day in the next week or so where we can get together on Instagram Live or maybe Discord and have a really fun discussion about those those book club questions. Does that sound good to you guys? If you have any suggestions on how to make this book club better, please don't hesitate to share over on our Twitter, Discord, or our Facebook. I am still learning all these kind of things and how to make this the best possible book club. So please, please share your thoughts and how we can make it better. The links to our socials will be in the show notes for this episode, as usual. And I think that's enough housekeeping for tonight. Let's go ahead and dive into the dreamy world of the We Free Men by Terry Pratchett. The We Free Men is part of Terry Pratchett's iconic Discworld series of books. From what I can gather, the Tiffany Aching series encompasses five novels in this Discworld series. Tiffany Aching is just a mere child in the first book. Uh, She's nine years old, I believe. And so I am super curious to see and read the other ones and see how she ages throughout the series. I am hoping that she ages much like they did in Harry Potter. Um, as the series went on. Tiffany is a fascinating character. I knew she was going to be interesting when within the first few chapters of the book, she had already used her brother as bait to lure a monster out of the river and whack it with a frying pan, caught the attention of a witch, acquired a frog as her conscience, and just casually walked off with a dozen small blue men to go back to their home in an effort to rescue her brother from the queen. More on that later. The first thing that I noticed about Tiffany is her relative invisibility to her family. See, Tiffany is just a solid child. She does her chores and duties well and efficiently. She's quiet and fastidious. And because of this, she's largely ignored by her parents. I believe this affords her a significant degree of freedom to explore the world around her. As long as everything that needs to be done at home gets done, nobody seems to notice where she's gone off to. Her parents, however, do notice when her little brother Wentworth goes missing. Tiffany is pretty indifferent toward her little brother. As I mentioned briefly before, she gets super curious about the creature that's living in the river and uses her brother as bait to lure the creature out again. Through the course of the book, though, She feels this urge to save him, and by the end, I think she feels 
less indifferent. I wouldn't necessarily say that she loves him yet, but Pratchett writes her in a very convincing way uh, as a nine-year-old girl who isn't quite sure what her motives are for saving her brother, but she knows it's the right thing to do. Or maybe she doesn't. She just knows that it's her brother. She has this air of youth about her in that statement. It's, it's used several times in the book. Children often don't, don't know much beyond something other than it being theirs. There's something to do with um, possession that's kind of uh, very indicative of a child's mindset. Tiffany is what I would describe as kind of the beginnings of a brave heroine. She thinks very little of her own safety and is unwilling to let injustice stand. She challenges what the status quo has been, and always has been, and she's unlikely to let a bully push her or others around. When others, even adults, would be likely to get trapped by the queen of elves in their dreams, Tiffany refuses to be trapped, to let the queen win. She flips the script on her and fights back. She also is wildly successful with her frying pan as her weapon. Side note. I deeply desire an action figure with her and a frying pan. And my friend actually showed me uh, that there is a collectible that you can get of that. So I'm, I'm planning on getting that. <laughs> anyway, Tiffany thirsts for knowledge and she's an avid reader. As she's described in the book, she could read words before she knew how to say them. This resonated with me as there have been many times I've read words but never actually said them out loud. I think that's the case for anyone who loves to read. While education isn't valued in her village or at her time, Tiffany still gathers fruits and vegetables and takes them to the traveling school anytime she gets a chance. Often, she knows more than the traveling teachers, but she still tries to learn anything and everything she possibly can. I believe she knows that knowledge sets her free. And that's as true in the book as it is in real life, too. It's at the traveling school where she meets Miss Tick, who happens to be, oh, the only way I can describe her is she's akin to a witch talent discovery agent. When Miss Tick hears about the kinds of creatures that Tiffany has encountered in the chalk recently, she leaves a talking frog with Tiffany and says that she's going to go get help from other witches in the area. The talking frog sort of acts like Tiffany's fairy godmother, if you will, or conscience, if you're thinking Pinocchio. Um, anyway, and uh, it provides her with insights and guidance throughout the, the course of the story. He reminds her to trust her gifts and her powers and to when to run and when to stop and that kind of stuff. Uh, Tiffany's powers are interesting, like her first sight which means that she can see what's really there. And then she has second thoughts, which are thoughts about thoughts, and then third thoughts, which are thoughts about thoughts about thoughts, and then fourth thoughts, which are thoughts about thoughts about thoughts. Anyway, um, it gets very rather confusing. I really hope that they explore those powers that she has in later books as well, because I am still a wee bit confused about those. It was interesting because it, it didn't really seem like she had that many kind of powers, but she does have the ability to see what's really there because like she saw the headless horseman and she saw the Jenny green teeth. Is that what the, yeah, the Jenny green teeth and, and various other creatures. So I find that to be super interesting and I do hope they explore it later on. 
Tiffany's friendship with the Knack Mac Feagles, or Feagles for short, or the Wee Free Men, if you will, uh, is pretty much my favorite in the whole book. She briefly takes over as their Kelda, which I believe is like a queen, sort of, um, after theirs passes away and, and bestows that upon her, just until they can get a new Kelda from a different um, clan. But they... Uh, they trusted and respected Tiffany's grandmother, and so when they learn that Tiffany is possibly a witch like her grandmother, I mean, they don't come out and say that they're witches, but anyway, um, the the Fecals then respect and trust Tiffany too, and she has a fondness for several of them, uh, namely Rob Anybody, Daft Wooly, William, Hamish, and my personal favorite, not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than wee jock jock. Uh, and my favorite thing about that is that every time he's addressed in the book, that is how he is addressed. It just added to the charm of the whole thing, I think. Anyway, the Feagles get Tiffany out of several scrapes, and they love a good fight and super strong alcohol. I love that one of the last things that she does in the book is slide a bottle of her father's homebrew down into their burrow. The Feagles, I think, feel that Tiffany is their responsibility, and they'll watch over her forever. Because they trusted the grandmother and respected her, now they have this responsibility to Tiffany as well. I gathered a few of my favorite quotes from the book, and I wanted to share them tonight too. The book is pretty quotable in several ways, and so I'm excited to talk through some of those. This uh, this first quote pretty much sums up Tiffany's personality, and I loved that it was Tiffany really coming to a realization and acceptance of who she really is, and I love that it's sort of the way that she works out in her childlike brain who she really is, too. She says, quote, yes, I'm me. I'm careful and logical, and I look things up I don't understand. And when I hear people use the wrong words, I get edgy. I'm good with cheese. I read books fast. I think. And I always have a piece of string. That is the kind of person that I am. Close quote. And I loved the way that she just came to that realization and acceptance of herself, and she wasn't ashamed of that. And I love that she is the kind of person who carries a piece of string with her because in the book they talk about how witches are often people who carry a piece of string because it's super useful in so many different ways. The other thing that I really loved about this quote is that in this whole craziness that's going on in the book, that Tiffany is so sure of who she is. And she may not have been sure of it at the beginning of the book, but she becomes so sure of it at the end. And I think it's such an important step in her progression and in the complexity of her character. This next quote is one that I really love about the protecting of the worlds or the world, if you will. Um, and I, I unfortunately didn't write down where it was at in the book, but I believe that it was talking about how the Fiegels, um how they protect the world Anyway, it was just a really great quote. It says, quote, There's always been somebody watching the borders. They didn't decide to. It was decided for them. Someone has to care. Sometimes they have to fight. Someone has to speak for that which has no voice. Close quote. 
And I loved how powerful that quote was in the context of the book, but also often the reason why I love quotes in books is because it teaches me something about the world around me as well. And so this one really resonated with me, especially at this time um, in everything that's going on in the world, someone has to care. And that might be you who's caring, or it might be the doctors or the nurses or whoever it may be. But somebody has to fight and speak for that which has no voice. And, uh, and that's the same in any situation, not just what's going on right now. But in any situation in the world, there's always going to be somebody who will speak for that which has no voice. And I, I loved, loved that. Such a good quote. <laughs> Another quote that I really loved that really resonated with me. Again, it was kind of towards the beginning of the book, if I remember correctly. Uh, I didn't write down exactly when it was, but it says, quote, nothing's louder than the end of a song that's always been there, close quote. And I found that super powerful because it's so true. Like if you've been listening to something for a while and then you turn it off, the silence is deafening. Because when you cut away all the noise and everything going on, the truth kind of shines through and it can be super loud. So deep quote as well there. Another one that I really loved was the the We Free Men or the Feagles. Um, I believe it was actually Rob, anybody who said it. He said, quote, and please forgive me for butchering any of the Scottish in here. But he's anyway, quote, but you got to know where you just going to rush in. You can't just rush in anywhere. It looks bad having to rush back out again straight away. Close quote. And I loved that because Rob was taking a minute to teach Tiffany, who has the tendency to just rush into things, um, <laughs> a little bit about how to approach situations where they, uh, you know, they might have to rush in. And it was a humorous situation, like. You can't just rush in anywhere. You got to figure out where you're going to rush in so you don't end up rushing back out and having to rush in a different place. So um, anyway, that was another really good quote that I liked. One of the, the most powerful quotes in the book, I think, is when Tiffany realizes that she's not really dead inside. I think that was one thing that she was kind of concerned that she's not really a proper human. Um, and the witch kind of, or sorry, the queen kind of plays on that and uh and Tiffany realizes something really powerful about her granny. And she says, quote, Now I know why I never really cried for granny. She said, she has never left me, closed quote. And I really loved that. And I kind of teared up about it just a little bit because I think that when people that we love pass away, they never really leave us. And uh, And maybe this is a little bit more ethereal in this book because granny's a witch so maybe she really never did actually die but um i think that's something that's super powerful to relate to our own lives too like when somebody passes away there's always a little piece of them that sticks with us and i really love that lastly i found this was one of my favorite quotes about truth in the book quote tiffany was on the whole a quite truthful person but it seemed to her that there were times when things didn't divide easily into truth and false, but instead could be things that people needed to know at the moment and things that they didn't need to know at the moment, close quote. This is a pretty powerful statement because it showed the remarkable maturity of Tiffany, even at her tender young age. 
While she didn't always act so mature in the book, there were these pretty incredible, insightful moments throughout the book. I sometimes forgot how young she was, because um, she sometimes seemed like she was quite a bit older than that age of nine-ish. Um, but anyway, with this quote, it's so powerfully mature because, as we know as adults, life is not black and white. There's a lot of gray area, and that's the same that comes with truth sometimes. There's things that need to be told right at the moment and things that don't need to be told right at the moment, and there's a fine balance of knowing when to do that and when to hold back, so kind of a, a super powerful moment there too. Overall, I loved this book, if you couldn't tell. I cannot wait to read the others in the series. It's well-written, the author does a good job with writing a complex female lead, and makes you love her almost instantly. I cannot wait to explore more of this world with her and with the cast of The We Free Men. That brings us to the discussion question I'd like to kick off our book club discussion with, gentle listeners. What is the nature of dreams in the novels, and why do you think there are so many flashbacks to Tiffany's experiences with her grandmother? I cannot wait to start the discussion with you over on our Goodreads group and on our Discord channel. Like I mentioned at the beginning, I'm still working out the best place for us to do our live discussion in the next week or so, but I'll let you all know via Twitter and Instagram once I do know that. If you're not following us on Instagram yet, please take a moment to do so if you're into that sort of thing. I think Instagram is a lot of fun, and I hope to be posting more and more on our Instagram channel there as well. And that's it for this episode of Lasers and Lockets. We'll see you back here in two weeks. Until then, keep your guardian frog warm in your apron pocket. Always keep your frying pan close at hand. Make sure your string is in your pocket. And if you suddenly find yourself watched by little blue men, just leave them some moonshine and they'll be your besties forever. Get your nerd on and be awesome. All right. All right.